0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
1: Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. All right, Molly. You and I are talking about breast implants today. And sometimes, (laughs) yay. (laughs) And sometimes we like to start off. Podcast with a little personal anecdote Mm -hmm. about the subject we're talking about. But you know what, Molly? I'm going to spare you any breast related personal stories of mine because I'm not in the mood for an awkward silence this morning. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm just going to dive right in. I think it's safe to say that when it comes to, uh, you know, the bus line, the conversation with our moms probably extends to maybe getting a training bra, Mm -hmm. talking about sizes. You know, maybe consolation if they aren't growing too fast or too fast, whatever right. the case may be. You know, just kind of general stuff. Uh, although, uh, breast implants are becoming a more common graduation present.
1: That's true. So you For might breasts. have the kind of mom who does discuss with you breast implants, mm-hmm. but my mom didn't discuss Yeah. That back at all. in the
0: day, I don't think, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't really an option on the table. So. The operating table, so to speak. Uh, Ooh, nice pun, Molly. (laughs) I think fast. But today, breast implants are the most common cosmetic procedure, followed up by rhinoplasty, a.k.a. nose jobs, and liposuction. Hmm. And uh, speaking of breast implants, Molly, I think this would be a good time for you to tell us a little bit about... Japanese prostitutes.
1: Right. That's not actually as awkward a transition as it might sound at first, because the whole story of breast implants started with Japanese prostitutes. In the 1940s, uh, these women would inject substances like paraffin or sponge into their breasts to increase the size of their bust line, because they were trying to appeal to all the GIs who were overseas during World War II. So we owe all of these... Um, boob jobs, for lack of a better word, to Japanese prostitutes.
0: Yeah, so fast-forwarding then to 1962, we have a little lady named Timmy Jean Lindsay, who became the first woman to undergo breast augmentation surgery using silicone breast implants. And from there, the whole industry has
1: evolved. Yeah, and this is kind of hard to talk about because people have mixed feelings about this surgery. You know, there are plenty of people who think that you should just embrace the way you are, and be happy with that. There are plenty of people who will say, you know, the breast augmentation surgery was the best thing that ever happened to them. Mm-hmm. They have tons of confidence. They feel better about themselves. Uh it's very, you know, people will find diseases they try and link this to. They'll try and find self esteem issues they can link into. And that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today with a very scary question.
0: Are breast implants linked with suicide? And this sounds sounds pretty doom and gloom.
1: Um that sounds I mean you can't get any worse, I think with side effects than suicide. Yeah.
0: So the reason why we're asking this question is uh, there was a study published in the August 2007 issue of the Annals of Plastic Surgery that found a pretty strong link between women who get breast implants and then later commit suicide.
1: Right. What they did in this experiment was they followed about 3,500 Swedish women who had had uh, breast enhancement procedures between 1965 and 1993. And, you know, they ignored women who needed uh, reconstructive surgeries, but were choosing to augment their breasts for purely cosmetic reasons.
0: They were just dissatisfied with their bust size. And so out of that 3,500, well, 3,527 women to be exact Twenty-four committed suicide down the road. And this was a the the study tracked them from nineteen sixty-five to nineteen ninety-three. And uh that suicide rate is three times higher than among the general population. Just sort of startling. Three times. That's pretty that's pretty huge.
1: That's pretty huge, but the reason it's important that they followed them for so long is they wouldn't commit suicide until about ten years after they had the surgery.
0: Exactly. It wasn't like they were going, getting their breasts augmented, coming home, recovering, and then killing themselves. It was much more nuanced than that.
1: Right. 10 to 19 years after the surgery, the suicide rate was about 4.5 times greater than women in the general population. And then 20 years or more, it becomes six times higher. Mm -hmm. So it's basically as time goes on, these women are committing suicide. Why would that be?
0: Well, Molly, I think that you have to take into account other factors in these women's lives. I don't think, you know, this whole issue of correlation is not causation. It's not saying that, you know, maybe the silicone in these breast implants was leaking to their brains, causing them to commit suicide or anything like that. Um, For instance, 14 women in the study died from drug or alcohol abuse, which indicates there might have been some some more deep-seated problems going on.
1: Right, and that rate, it, it's only 14 women, but within that control group, that's three times higher than the average of the general population. So mm-hmm. just these very small numbers represent huge Leaps above what the general population's got going on.
0: Yeah. And you might be thinking, okay, this is one study isolated to Sweden. I mean, are we just blowing this way out of proportion? Well, it wasn't just one study. There were actually five other studies in addition to the one that we were talking about that consistently found this link between breast implants and a higher suicide rate, suicide rate between two and three times higher than uh, than the general population. And within all of these studies, researchers found that the women with breast implants more often had problems with alcohol and drugs and were more likely to be divorced, uh, which are all factors that can contribute
1: to suicide. Right. And interestingly to me, uh, compared to women who get other cosmetic procedures, you know, such as a nose job, women who receive breast implants are almost twice as likely to have been admitted to a psychiatric hospital at some point.
0: But like you mentioned earlier, uh, plenty of women who get breast implants will report that they feel a lot better about themselves. They have a more positive self image. So certainly we can't conclude that breast implants are some totally evil, evil thing that women are doing to themselves.
1: Right. So what studies like these have demonstrated to doctors and people in the field is that perhaps we need better screening before women can have uh, these procedures. Because even if they hadn't gotten the procedure, they may have still committed suicide. Mm-hmm. I think what they're trying to look into is what uh, body image issues did these women have? What self-esteem issues might they have had that would have led them to commit suicide?
0: Right, Molly. I think it's important when we're talking about these psychological issues surrounding plastic surgery, we can't project the mental health issues of individuals to the entire population of breast implant patients. Um We do have to point out that uh, statistically around 15% of people who do get elective plastic surgeries suffer from something called body dysmorphic disorder, which causes you to obsess over specific body parts and have an an unhealthy perception of your
1: body. Right. And so it can, you know, you just think you're ugly or disfigured, which might be what leads you to get the cosmetic surgery, but it's not going to fix that sort of, you know, thing in your brain that's telling you you know, that things aren't right, which may be why uh, there's that 10-year gap that we were talking mm-hmm. about when we were, you know, emphasizing the fact that it was 10 years later. It may have been that these uh, surgeries made women feel better for a short time, but they still couldn't overcome that negative self-image. Right.
0: It was just sort of like a temporary band-aid that, you know, that wasn't going to last. And I think it's important to bring up as well uh, a study on breast implant psychology that was conducted by a professor of surgery at the University of California that, Sort of de- debunked this idea of breast implant patients having some kind of pathological psychological disorder. The researcher found that, as a whole, breast implant patients don't have a lower body image than the general population. They just have maybe more dissatisfaction with with their bust line. Just are really hung- they might like their legs. They might think they have a really cute face, but they
1: just you know they they just feel too small. Right. So we're not saying everyone who gets this surgery is depressed and is going to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're endorsing today. But what this Swedish study that we were talking about earlier has led people to think is that there just needs to be better screening before women undergo plastic surgery.
0: Right. I think most of the, the most important outcome of all of these studies, like you said, is uh, recognizing this need for pre-surgery psychological screenings, and also following these women after surgery. I mean, if you have a patient who is continually coming in for more and more procedures, there might be a pretty big red flag that something else is going on, that, that this person is actually endangering
1: themselves. So... On that sobering note, if you do want to learn more about uh, breast implants, we have a wonderful article, How Breast Implants Work. It is very detailed. It has many pictures. Yeah. We were going to discuss uh, how breast implants are present to your body, but you've got to see these pictures. I'm a visual learner. They're, they helped. They might not be safe for work, but all the same, they're on our site. And the article, "Are Breast Implants Linked to Suicide, written by Jacob Silverman, is also at HowSuffWorks.com. But, Molly, before we go,
0: I think we need to read some really happy. reader email to to sort of balance out this sort of sobering, a little more depressing podcast episode. (laughs) Yeah, we've got some happy listener mail to share with you today. Yeah, we need to offer our congratulations to our listener, Shane, who is getting married this month, and he wrote in after listening to our podcast on diamonds, and he wanted to tell us a very sweet story about how he designed
1: a one-of-a-kind engagement ring for his soon-to-be wife. Right. So Shane listened to, Are Diamonds Really a Girl's Best Friend? And before he was going to pop the question, he knew he needed a ring, but he didn't think that diamonds were a girl's best friend. He thought they were very impersonal, boring. You know, he was on track with what we were talking about in that podcast. So what he did, he wanted something more personal. And he and his fiance like hiking. So they had gone to uh, Moab, Utah to climb together. And then without her knowing, he climbed back up the hill and got a rock from the, the tower they had climbed. And he took it to a jeweler you want to so pick it up in there?
0: I'll pick it up from here. Um, so he took the rock to a jeweler, and at first Shane was upset because he wanted to get a piece of calcite out of the rock, but the jeweler said that calcite was too soft, and then uh, the rock also contained some sandstone, which was also too soft to make a ring out of it. So the jeweler said that he would grind the rock down and see if there was anything hard inside of it. And lo and behold there was a layer of natural onyx Ooh. that was usable for a ring and so he got the the onyx set it in white gold and then repelled out of the rafters of the dance club that his fiancee dj's at and proposed to her
1: i know it's it's a really cool story and she said yes I would,
0: after all that. Yeah, and he sent us a photo of the ring, and Shane, if you're listening, it is gorgeous. It is. So congratulations to Shane. Shane is living proof that more than diamonds can be a girl's best friend. Nice one, Molly. So if you have any questions, comments, or colorful anecdotes you would like to send our way, feel free to email me and Molly at momstuff at dot com.